0: Welcome to a special pledge edition of the Sunshine Economy. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening and supporting WLRN. After two and a half years of work, a comprehensive report on how to better prepare Miami for all kinds of threats, economic health and especially climate risks, is expected to be out by the end of May. The effort aims to better understand the risks to resiliency. Now, that word is a popular word used as a catch-all for everything from dealing with housing affordability to recovering after a hurricane to protecting against and adapting to rising seas. This report will be called Resilient 305. It's the result of 100 Resilient Cities, an international program funded by the Rockefeller Foundation. It includes Miami-Dade County and the cities of Miami and Miami Beach. Hundreds of millions of public tax dollars have already been spent on dealing with higher seas and flooding, money spent on pumps, higher roads, and stormwater drains. Voters in Miami have okayed borrowing tens of millions of dollars to be spent on seawalls, pumps, and raising roads. Jim Murley is the CRO, the Chief Resilience Officer in Miami-Dade County. We spoke with him about what to expect from the Resilient 305 report as the region increasingly looks for options and money to deal with the risks of a changing climate and what that brings to South Florida.
1: The substantive element are a series of action items that are the consensus of the Three CROs on our elected leadership to hear the short and long-term things we need to work on, uh, looking at climate resilience, environmental resilience, and a broader set of issues.
0: As it relates to climate environmental resilience, what is a short time frame, or a medium time frame, or a long time frame that this plan is going to
1: consider? Um, I think in, in short term, uh, it's looking at um, insurance programs and things that we know are going to be changing. Because uh, much of what the conditions we have to work under are set by other entities at the federal government level or at the regional level, so with the uh, knowledge that the federal flood insurance program is changing, with new direction uh, at the governor's level in Tallahassee, we're we're keen in on that. That we want to try to influence those outcomes on behalf of the and the benefit uh, Southeast Florida and Miami Dade County uh, midterm. It's um, uh, continuing to understand our asset values, uh, our county-owned assets, and being sure that the public and private sectors in Miami-Dade County can count on them. That's our, public, our, our capital improvements program.
0: So this would be things like roads and the sewer airports, system, ports, airports.
1: Roads. Right. I mean, it's a, a massive amount of infrastructure, uh, which you, we rely on every day to be there. And if there's a storm, it needs to get back online. Long term, we've just started, uh, Tom, to initiate a, a study which is really oriented towards reaching out to our public. This is beyond being property owners and county assets. This is to everybody and every kind of uh, urban and natural system things that we share in this wonderful county. Sharing the information about where, what we expect to happen and looking at different scenarios for how we might adapt.
0: As you've put this resilient plan together with the chief resiliency officers in the city and Miami Beach and you at the county, uh, what are the categories of action items that you have set out for yourselves, for your government entities, and and frankly for the general public to uh, have to
1: respond to? We organized the um, action steps in the three broad categories, place, people, and pathways and the places are, are really the environment and the physical uh, structure of where we live. The people are the key in many ways because they're the most important asset and they have to uh, we have to work on that uh, issue of income disparity, For by the way. And the pathways are how do we get to improving our places and people? How do we collaborate better? How do we bring science in and drive the issues?
0: Will there be specific metrics, specific waypoints and goals to specific the-
1: th- to, to, to accountability, timelines, and funding for each item.
0: And, and the funding sources-
1: And the funding may be to be determined. I mean, we have to secure it, but if we're setting a, a item out, with a timeline that puts the priority on people like me to go try to find uh, feasible funding sources.
0: And what are those sources that are going to be in the portfolio? Uh, Well,
1: I mean, you always have um, your uh, income, your tax base, your property tax base. Uh, We'll be examining everything that might uh, happen uh, under the new leadership at both the South Florida Water Management District, where we pay ad valorem taxes every year, our, our state leadership, which is changing the focus, and hopefully long-term at the federal level. And uh, there are, is always a, um, uh, a growing uh, innovation in the private sector, uh, things like um, resilience bonds that look like municipal bonds but are triggered by events a little differently.
0: The challenge of environmental resiliency is uh, uh, comprehensive in that it is long-dated and enormous. Uh, for human capacity to kind of understand what that risk is. It's among the challenges of just communicating the risks of sea level rise and climate change, of course. You've experienced this. Uh, With this view and this report coming out from South Florida and Dade County and the city of Miami and Miami Beach regarding resiliency, as it relates to environmental resiliency, will the community see a price tag about the kinds of projects that uh, you and your cohorts think are going to be necessary in order to adapt and to uh, uh, shore up areas uh, against the um, the environmental risks
1: I think and and for the specific pro- action item projects that we've decided as a as a as a, a partnership to put in this document if it's not clear from that item you know, if you got into one of our action items and you wanted to expand on it, and you talked to the lead entity that's gonna be listed in each item, I think undoubtedly you would find out, for example, that the county is doing a lot of other things that relate to that action item. We didn't make everything the county does an action item, but we think the action items are reflective of the priorities that are especially intergovernmental that have to have that collaboration between cities and, and the county.
0: Will there be kind of a, 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 even a range of investment that these action items would be advocating for that the community can kind of look at and absorb and, and judge as, as stakeholders in this, as would obviously the elected officials and others?
1: I, I think there's, there's, a, a, there's proximate dollars, but some of the action items are written in a way that they are that the outcome of the action item is to, ta- is to come up with the cost for something that we know today Uh, is something we haven't had time to examine properly. We don't have this as much science as we'd like. So to put a number on that would probably be premature.
0: Miami-Dade County's Chief Resilience Officer, Jim Murley. Now still to come, paying for climate resilience today and planning for decades to come.
1: We're literally saying that we have numbers out to 2,100 that are worthy of being considered when we make billion dollar investment decisions today.
0: We're back on a special pledge edition of the Sunshine Economy, Resiliency Leaders. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening. Jim Murley is the first and only chief resilience officer that Miami-Dade County has had. The job was created in 2015. The county has even started using a leaf emoji in its annual budgets to signify projects it classifies as resilience. It defines it broadly to include everything from scuba gear for the fire department to beach renourishment. Affordable housing efforts are included, and upgrades to the sewer system that the county is required to do under an agreement with the federal government also have that emoji.
1: We're literally saying that we have numbers out to 2,100 that are worthy of being considered when we make billion-dollar investment decisions today. I I can't think in my 40 years of professional work where we've, we've done that.
0: Is the county, in your estimation, more resilient? today than it was when you came
1: into this position when it was created? The way I think about it from inside of government, my answer would be yes. Uh, I see a $8.7 billion enterprise led by a CEO and a board of directors that is focused on learning about how to make our county more resilient.
0: That's the county budget and the county, county commission the county and the budget.
1: mayor. And a county budget, by the way, that is organized around resilience principles. That probably be the only county in the U.S that has taken on that kind of a, a, a subject level way of thinking about our budget. What can
0: you point to uh, that the county has done to, to fortify itself in the last three and a half years with the position that was created that
1: you have fulfilled? You can go to the airport and you can ask the uh, airport director to show you how he's building uh, airport additions physically different than what we would have done five years ago. Certainly our leaders, our water and sewer department, uh, they've been building uh, improvements for the last four or five years based on the information that is aimed at making us more climate resilient.
0: How are those policies being integrated though in the private development that we're seeing across the county?
1: Through the building code uh, changes, that we've added a foot of elevation to um, new development or redevelopment over 50% of a, of a building.
0: This is in the unincorporated, unincorporated Miami Dade right. County, yeah. yeah.
1: I think the county uh, by nature understands that we have a population, uh, a lot of people living in existing dwellings that aren't going to be immediately renovated. Uh, and at, at Basically, they just get by with the amount of revenue that they hopefully make. Um, there's a great sensitivity in our county commission and our mayor to the to making changes that that will can be absorbed by the working class and the people that provide the services.
0: What about the sensitivity to the tax base as uh, climate risk and climate vulnerabilities? Uh, begin to be more well known and more well known in the real estate community and priced in to the real estate and the tax base, which is based upon the value, the assessed value of those properties?
1: Well, we, we're we're constantly uh, monitoring that. Uh, and of course, that best happens through uh, interaction with the private sector who can tell us what are the signals they're looking for. And they tell us they want the, the, the investor community to understand what it is we're doing to intervene uh, in the projections. How are we modifying those? How are we uh, ad- adapting to them? And uh, that's something that I think sometimes government took for granted, that everybody understood what we were doing. And we now understand how important the communicating that is uh, to the marketplace. Then there's our investments. Uh, not only are we increasing uh, the c- capability to uh, protect ourselves from storm surge and sea level rise, we have a-, a major focus on transportation. And the transportation corridors and the technology that eventually get uh, built in those corridors is all part of climate adaptation.
0: You see the smart plan, for Absolutely. instance, those six transit corridors. See
1: every transit hub, every station, as a as a location that should be built more re, with more resilience in mind than we had 50 years ago,
0: and built with higher density as well.
1: Absolutely, it helps the transit uh, service itself. Uh, it it gives us options for uh, how we deal with drainage. and And the thing about the uh, smart plan is driving new development, which is when the new regulations can be applied full force. You can't. You know, really apply them to existing development until you have a change uh, redevelopment.
0: Miami-Dade Chief Resilience Officer Jim Murley. Now still to come, the opportunity and optimism from another South Florida Resilience Leader about the state's first Chief Science Officer.
2: I'm hoping that this will be a voice of reason that helps to ensure that our state is funding the infrastructure investments and improving the regulatory programs that are required to tackle this issue rather than just continuing to talk about it.
0: This is the Sunshine Economy, a special pledge edition today. Resiliency leaders, I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening and supporting WLRN. Ron DeSantis made the environment, especially water, a central focus of his successful campaign to be governor. Two days after he took the oath of office, DeSantis unveiled a sweeping executive order that included billions of dollars for the environment, speeding up Everglades restoration efforts, the creation of the Office of Resilience and Coastal Protection, and a new job, the state's first chief science officer. University of Florida biologist Tom Frazier was appointed to that new position just last week. It's an appointment that Jennifer Horato greets with optimism. Herado is the chief resilience officer in Broward County and a driving force in the creation of the Southeast Florida Climate Change Compact. That's the four-county partnership working on policies and projects to deal with climate risk here. Horato hopes the new chief science officer for Florida represents a shift in how the state deals with the risks posed by climate
2: change. Having somebody who understands water quality, water management, implications of nutrient and other types of pollutions on our uh, aquatic resources, whether it's freshwater, estuary, or coastal, it's absolutely vital. All of our state is fundamentally dependent on highest quality of resources and protection of the natural environment. I think the selection of the uh, science officer or, uh, that has been made is uh, an individual of incredible credentials. I think he's going to be very uh, well equipped and a powerful influence. It's really about investing in the infrastructure and enforcing water quality standards and source controls on pollutants uh, in order to improve the state of our water resources.
0: So what are your hopes with this new administration and this new acknowledgement and uh, embracing of science, especially as it relates to the importance of water to the quality of life in Florida, if not certainly the economy?
2: I'm hoping that this will be a voice of reason that helps to ensure that our state is funding the infrastructure investments and improving the regulatory programs that are required to tackle this issue rather than just continuing to talk about it.
0: What are the priorities then from Broward County's perspective as it relates to, to, to that kind of investment that you would uh, uh, put on the table for the state?
2: I think that there are dramatic uh, opportunities for investments in stormwater and management not only does that provide uh, improve, improved flood conditions, but as we manage water better, it's provided treatment, and then the discharges are of a, an improved quality, uh, so that we don't have um, you know downstream or ecological impacts. Uh, sanitary sewer connections. Whether you live in a rural environment,
0: getting rid of the septic tanks. That's,
2: then that's correct. Whether you're in a rural vi- environment or an urban environment, we have far too many septic tanks still operating in a state with a population of our size. We have water quality implications. Uh, Anyway, with rising seas and more intense rainfall, you lose storage in the soils. The water quality treatment is um, um, uh, compromised, and we can't afford to preserve septic tanks where there is infrastructure or the opportunity to store, uh, install infrastructure to um, to provide uh, sanitary service to communities. Uh, we also have a need, frankly, to address some of the uh, agricultural uh, sources of uh, pollutants that continue to influence Lake Okeechobee. I think there's sometimes too much emphasis on what's happening south of the lake. There's a lot that's happening north of the lake that is the source of runoff. And it's, again, not a single industry or a single uh, Contribution, but the holistic, and we need to quit pointing fingers and really just start to put the infrastructure and adherence to the regulatory controls into place in order to 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 achieve the um, to, to achieve the, um, the the nutrient reductions that are required.
0: And I know, as a scientist, uh, this is more of a regulator and uh, policy making question, but is the public ready to? Uh, shoulder the costs of that kind of investment that you're talking about.
2: I think we're already shouldering the cost, but in an inequitable way. When you have downstream communities that are paying the ultimate price for water quality failures upstream, that's an inequitable cost. When we're bailing out businesses that are unable to function because of sustained uh, algal blooms and uh, water quality impacts that are affecting tourism, that has a uh, that's a burden that's being shouldered by far few while we're avoiding the costs that could be more uh, equitably shared by the populace and investing in the water quality improvements that are required in every community. We're all very excited about uh, the governor's commitment to bringing a chief's uh, resilience officer into the governor's office. We're optimistic about seeing uh, a greater alignment of the state's own um, programs and investments with a uh, sensitivity for changing uh, climate conditions and sea level rise and helping to ensure that whatever happens uh, through state investments is supporting what local communities need.
0: That's Broward County Chief Resilience Officer, Jennifer Herrado. Still to come, incorporating the changing climate when spending billions of new tax dollars on transportation in Broward County.
2: There is a shared awareness that we need all of our infrastructure and planning to be designed in accordance with climate risk.
0: We're back on a special pledge edition of the Sunshine Economy, Resiliency Leaders. I'm Tom Hudson. Since January, Broward County has been collecting an extra penny per dollar spent on all kinds of things. It's the result of the voter-approved penny sales tax increase with the money going toward transportation projects. It's expected to raise about $200 million this year and more than $15 billion in new money over the 30-year lifespan of the tax. The county has a long wish list of projects, bus routes, maybe light rail, synchronizing traffic lights, bike lanes and others. Dr. Jennifer Gerardo, Broward County's chief resilience officer, says what is built will have to prepare for higher seas and higher water.
2: We know that there are strategic investments over the next coming years as part of our transit-oriented development. We need to think about how those investments are designed with resiliency in mind, the types of drainage improvements that are going to be critical in order to ensure the functionality of these corridors. We're also looking at redevelopment trends and and changes in the groundwater table and rainfall intensity and are we putting assets in areas where we know to be a little bit more uh, climate risk moving forward. it's not to say that we don't redevelop, but how do we do it uh, in, a, in in accordance with a changing environment? As we make these investments that are going to be around for decades to come, we can't afford missteps and we don't want to lose opportunities where we have these uh, financial resources that are now available to support this vision that we've had for some time.
0: As the resiliency officer in Broward County speaking about putting those kinds of public investments in place, are there new Rules, frankly, about the kinds of adaptations that those kinds of investments are going to have to meet in terms of base flood level elevations or, or those types of uh, regulations?
2: Well, there are some uh, recent changes to our regulatory process that apply to our own investments, and that's true as we're looking at, um, you know, the convention center, for example, the redevelopment of um, the BB&T. Um, our uh, evolution of standards for future conditions applies to these public investments. Yes, some of that is drainage, and some of it is uh, the critical uh, elevation to which infrastructure is designed. We're just now updating our new maps that will reveal flood elevations as a function of rising seas and more intense rainfall. So. So yes, we'll be overlaying these infrastructure investments with these um, new maps. There is a shared awareness that we need all of our infrastructure and planning to be designed in accordance with climate risk. And so we do have individuals who are part of the review process for all of the projects that are coming through um, for potential funding with the surtax, and they're being evaluated through the lens of resilience and future conditions.
0: As Broward County is on the cusp of these transportation, and transit-oriented investments fueled by the penny uh, sales tax increase. Uh, What are the specific criteria that's changed for those in terms of uh, the kinds of development uh, and the cost uh, effect on those investments?
2: Today, uh, the drainage requirements for all of these projects will have to comply with the change in the groundwater table that occurs with two feet of sea level rise. The incremental cost to addressing drainage on on this side, well, if we're talking about site development, it's it's been bracketed about half a percent to one and a half percent of the total project cost just to ensure that the the drainage component is correct. As we're looking at having to change the elevation of some of these projects, I can't bracket those those numbers yet, but I think it's not just about the cost of the project, it's about the economic activity and the community activity that's preserved when you're sure that your transportation system can function under higher flood levels we've we've seen those disruptions uh, already where you can't navigate or a commercial enterprise cannot uh, operate or Her schools are simply inaccessible uh, during extreme flood conditions. So it's about making sure that we can navigate and move about our community, and there's an economic component there that is saved and preserved that's outside of actually the cost of the project. Uh, So economic disruption is something that's sometimes hard to measure, but it's an important part of the value of those investments.
0: That's Dr. Jennifer Gerardo, the Chief Resilience Officer of Broward County. Pilar Iribe is our Technical Director. Katie Lepre, our Engagement Producer. Polly Landis is our booking producer. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening and supporting WLRN.